welcome back everyone to Legends in the Dark part two in our series of The Hunt for the Skinwalker. This one, the book review. Next, the movie. Join us now where we pick up right where we left off last time. Oh, and I forgot to mention this. This is something else that was really interesting on the ranch. When they bought it, they had a, they, it was a dream ranch and they were coming up from Arizona and they were just like, you know, this is beautiful. And the people who sold it to them, they said the only caveats, the only thing that's basically in the contract says that you can't dig anywhere on the ranch unless you get tell the previous owners, which I thought was really weird. Cause usually like, I mean, I've sold, uh, I just sold my house and I'm kind of, I feel bad that we have to contact the owners because we we actually forgot to, now that it's tax season, we forgot to change our name and for some reason, the the mail, not change her name, change her address, and the mail post office wasn't, we changed it with the post office, but they weren't sending this one mail from Chris's work to our new house. For some reason, they only would send it to the old house. Yeah. So we had to contact them and be like, you know, we're sorry, but we need this mail. And and so, like, now we, we know the owners. But we don't have any caveats like, oh, well, you guys can't put in a swim pool now, even though we don't live there anymore, which I thought was really weird. And another thing they talked about in the book that I forgot to mention, and I'm sorry, and I'm sorry about that, is when they moved in, one of the things they found weird at this in this homestead was they had locks on both the outside doors, like going in, mm-hmm. and deadbolt, like locks, not deadbolt, but like the slide locks. On cabinets, on closets. Like, imagine if I had on these doors here. Imagine if I had a lock on the inside and the outside. Damn. Yeah, isn't that weird? That is really weird. Yeah, so something was happening. And they just were like, oh, okay, we don't know why. That's weird. Previous family was weird, I guess. Do, 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 do. And you know what? Quite honestly... I probably would have done the same thing because after a while when you are house hunting, you see some weird things in houses. And I don't mean like not like the really outside weird ones, but you see a weird, like I have a lock on my closet and and I remember when I was showing the house to one of our friends, they were like, oh, that's weird. Why is there a lock on this closet? And I said, because it's so high up. I said, I, they had a safe in this closet, and I think it was a gun safe. And I think it was high enough, so it was basically a gun safe, um, another safe, and then, you know, a lock on a closet because they had kids. Yeah. So that makes sense. Totally sense. But a friend who's seen this knows that, you know, I don't have a gun safe, sees this and be like, why is there a slide lock on your closet going in? <laughs> you know, it does look weird. Now, if it was on the other side, it could be, oh, this is my panic room. You know what I mean? But on every cabinet and on every door, weird. Weird. Yeah. So next in the book, it talks about, oh, it's so funny because it really starts talking about, it starts talking about the experiences they have with their cattle. And I'll admit, they do talk about cattle mutilations. I'll be honest right now, I'm not talking about, I'm not going to talk about it. Just know they experienced it. It goes detail in the book. I can't go into detail. It, it There's a lot of it. There was a lot of it. It makes my stomach nauseous. But just know that they do experience it. They don't know how it happened. Vets, later on, when there was a scientist, basically vets won't come out and look at this stuff they were talking about because 
if they do they'll just say it's a prey a predator they don't say anything like they had this example and i can't remember if it's later in the book or with this family they had a vet come out and he had like a younger like vet taking over the practice or intern and the younger vet was like yeah we got to figure out what's going on and this also could have been in the other stories because they talk about other hot spots but when they were talking about cow mutilations the younger vet was like yeah we got to figure out what's going on and the older vet was like we're not doing that we're not getting involved with anything quote unquote considered cow mutilations because you start saying that it's ufos or you say bye bye to your practice exactly oh my god you know exactly and so basically it was really hard to record all these and later when the scientific team went out there they did have a veterinarian and they did basically start going in through that and they had some basically the vet saying this was a perf- this wasn't just a wolf setting on a cattle oh no it was a it was basically yeah, I saw some of the pictures they have on on the in the movie that they showed. I'm like, there ain't no animal that does that. Exactly. So I'm not. We're not going to get into it. Just know they experienced it on the on the ranch. Um, but after all this, there is one. It's terrifying, but it's a funny story. It's funifying. It's funifying. Yeah. So what happens is, sorry, I I, I don't know why it tickles me. I think this is after they uh, the family reports because the, they get so tired they tell there were so many rumors in the town and I guess they tell the newspaper about it and the newspaper puts it out there and this guy comes uh, one day Tom and his son Tad again pseudonyms Tom and Tad are working outside and this guy comes rolling up onto the ranch through the gates onto the ranch stops right next to him and Tom's kind of like, okay, what's going on here? And I'm paraphrasing this. I'm not reading it out of the book. But he's a blonde guy. Tan gets out. And he's like, hey, you know, my name is whatever. And I really think, like, that what's, the stuff is going on here is basically he believes that something else is going on. But he wants to come and meditate on the ranch. Hmm. And so, for some reason, I forgot in the book, but it says, Tom says, fine. So he gets into, he gets the guy into his truck and with his son, and they go and they drive uh, through some pastures, and the guy says, oh, oh I want to I meditate here. And he points to a field, and he's like, okay. So the guy gets out, and he goes in the middle of the field, and he puts out like, his hands, and he's like, you know, taking deep breaths. And Tom and his son are just sitting there by the truck like, what the heck is this guy doing? And they just kind of like, whatever. And then he looks. Tom and Tad uh, said that they look over his shoulder. And in these woods behind him, there's like this black kind of animal, furry animal. But it's almost blurred. And they can't see what exactly it is. And he thought it might have been like a dog or even the cattle got out. And so he went, like, took a couple steps and was trying to see it. But as, as he took a couple steps, this thing kind of took a couple steps out towards the field where oh. the blonde guy is meditating. Not good. Not good. And so he, so he watches it, and Tad watches it too, 
and now I gotta bring the book because I want to quote it. You know, he sees the faint blur, and it's going between the trees. And he couldn't make out the shape, and then all of a sudden there was this weird sound, and it almost sounds like a cowbell. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, did one of the cow get out? And all of a sudden, the shape starts circling. Like, he goes from, like, tree to tree to tree to tree, and it's going so fast, it's almost like getting closer, circling, almost like watching this long guy. Kind of like, I don't know if it's, like, almost like hunting this guy. Stalking him. Exactly, exactly. That's what it, it reminds me of my cat. Well, okay, I should say my neighbor's cat. When I'm in bed, and it sees my foot moving under the covers and it kind of does that like it goes left and it goes right like okay what's the best way to pounce on this that's exactly what i thought about when i read this and then it says um this this figure this this creature basically darts out from the woods and it it moves to the meditated man and before, like, Tom even blinks, he, he, he's already running. Like, he's running towards the guy, the blonde guy, saying, hey, hey, watch out. And... I'd be running away from the blonde guy. Like, he's on his own. Well, I mean, this is your land, and this guy's out there. And he can't, but as he's running, he can't get a good look at this thing. This thing is blurred. And he says how it's blurred is, like, when there's heat distortion coming from the ground. And I'm thinking, like, you know, when you watch the movie and heat's coming up and everything's kind of wavy. Yeah. and it, it, He's describing it like that, and he can't get a good, like, look at this figure. How loud. Yeah, and all of a sudden, this is shimmering, and this huge thing stops. And it takes, a, I guess, a breath, and it stops inches from this blonde guy. And it lets out a deep-throated, and this quote, deep-throated animal roar that echoed around the ranch. The roar sounded half like a bear, half like a lion. Well, the stranger, he says, stranger, quote, left back about 10 feet and fell down. He began screaming. As fast as it had approached, the shimmering, almost invisible creature departed for the tree line at top speed. Tom's sharp eyes could make out only a blur of dancing, flickering, wavy lines, like pixelated blocks. Within seconds, the creature had vanished into the trees. And the visitor, visitor the, the meditating man, he's on the ground, he's screaming, he's not being, like, he, he's crying, he's in the ball. Inconsolable. No, he's weeping like a baby, and it says that, that's a quote, weeping like a baby. And finally, like, Tom basically... You know, says we gotta get out of here, and he latches on to Tom. And Tom says, after a couple minutes of this, he says, "Quote." He said, "Tom said quietly, if you do not let go, I'm going to hit you." And the guy says, "Quote. I will let go if you promise to get me to my vehicle." And then that's basically what happens. They get back into the truck. They go back to the at the house. They get to the guy. The stranger gets into his car and is quote. Drove erratically toward the gate. He was driving dangerously fast on the rutted track, and Tom hoped he would slow down once he got on the country road. And that's it. That's a lot. Like he saw that's the, that's the stranger. And I just thought, how funny is that? I mean, I know it's probably. I mean, I know I'm saying it's funny. It's kind of funny. But it's terrifying. It's completely terrifying. Don't get me wrong. But it's just funny because I think we've all kind of had that moment of if you're. In a restaurant, if you're shopping, at work, 
maybe dealing with people at your own family, but you always have that one person who sometimes is just like, oh, isn't this great? This is so awesome. And it's like, no, it's oh, not. Yeah. Talk about energy and... Well, it's not even that. And, and it's not that I don't believe it. I'm not making fun of that. And I'm not making light of that. I'm talking about the people who... We have a mutual friend. You know who she is. Mm-hmm. And she sees good in everything. And I love her about her. And I hope she always keeps that. But after a while, you're just like... Dude, this is a you know this is a shady restaurant. We're not staying here. I don't care how cute the decorations are. <laughs> We're getting out of here. So just having this Always guy, exactly. So this family is is experiencing all these weird things, and this guy comes on and like, you just don't understand. I gotta meditate here. He's like, fine, get over, like just do it. And having that experience and being terrified, I mean, like, yeah, okay. He ain't gonna be meditating anymore. Like, I don't understand what like was in the article that said this is the area that you should meditate. Like, it really doesn't compute for me. No, it, it's it's a little ridiculous. You've heard about all this stuff, and you think that once you can pick up whatever kind of bad vibes are going on in the place, that's kind of silly. Well, I I just don't understand. Like, the family's basically saying we're terrified, and you're like, let me go over here and meditate. Like, I don't get it, but. They probably figure, well, better it happens to him for a little while and said maybe leaves us alone for about an hour. So that'd be great. <laughs> well, the next thing that really happens, so I think by this time, the last thing that happens, and again, I'm paraphrasing through the book, last thing that happens is, I forget if he sees a light, He Tom sees something in the woods, and he's just so frustrated, he sends his dogs after it. And... He sends three of his best dogs and they're his loyal companions and they're barking so he sends them after it and they don't come back and he goes and he finds them and the next day he just knows something's gone and this is after there's animals that there's cows that's disappeared there's dogs his other dogs disappeared they've never seen again um these three dogs he goes out and finds them and I don't, I, I won't get into it, but they're dead. And he says at that moment, he says, in the book, it says he was done. It's, it's been 20 months. He's done with the ranch. He gets, he goes back, gets his family, says, we're leaving. And they get in their car and they leave. And he sells the ranch. The family sells the ranch to, as I said, a businessman. He sells it to Robert Bigelow. And his scientists from NIDS that he hired, it's all private. They go to, in the fall of 96, they go to the ranch. And they basically come in. And so Tom, he still wants to know what's going on. Because, I mean, he's lost cattle. And he's lost sleep over this place. And, and it scared his family. He wants to know what's going on. So they hire him as as a, oh, what's it called? Um, care, well, a caretaker. Because oh, they can only stay up there for so long. And then they go back to, I think it was Arizona was where... They um, had their headquarters and they would hear something like Tom would call up and said, hey, something weird is going on. They would get on their plane. You know, they had a private plane and they would fly up there and they would stay a week or two. And basically Tom says, you know, if you want to see this stuff, like I think you should kind of go in there and be under the radar. No pun intended or anything, but like basically kind of stalk this thing, because if you go in there, gangbusters, you're you're going to scare it away. Yeah. 
And they kind of, but they wanted to record what was going on. So they did go in there. They start setting up all the scientific equipment. They set up cameras around and they set up watchtowers and watchtowers have these dog runs because the dogs they found out were, they would start reacting before something would happen and they see orbs. And now I'm going to paraphrase real fast because I know we're kind of losing time, but they would see orbs. And there was two scientists who talked about one time that they, a physicist and I believe, I almost think it's the writer of the book. We're sitting like on this cliff and they see this light and he gets closer to the cliff and this, this light almost like it looks like almost a door opening. And he's taking these pictures when, because he doesn't see anything. And the reason he's taking these pictures is because his partner next to him, and he's a physicist, he's wearing night vision, night vision goggles. And he's saying something is opening down there. Like he sees the light. The physicist sees the door opening. The the writer of the book, the author, is just taking pictures. And and he is not seeing anything. He's not seeing anything but maybe the light. But he can't see what's in the light. The guy with the night vision goggles is seeing like, yeah, there's there's a door opening. And then there's a figure coming out. And he's saying it's it's this torso, long torso, no neck kind of figure with arms. And the guy, the physicist is getting scared. And he's like, it's it's coming out of whatever this thing is. And then it just left. Like it just runs away. And the guy, the physicist was like, I don't know what it is, but we gotta get out of here. Cause that, that thing is loose now. And they see this experience. And later when they talked about the, the pictures, nothing came out. Like they didn't see anything in it. And the other guy was like, I don't know what to tell you. This is what I saw through the night vision. And that just keeps happening. There's, they get pictures. It's just a little bit of like, it looks like orbs, but it's not what they're seeing. They have, Tom would come back onto the ranch and the last really big experience, not big experience, but the last one I want to talk about is they had these prized Angus bulls and they came to the ranch one day and they were, they were gone. And the reason why they were keeping them there is because they knew like some of the activity was happening because of the cattle. And so these bulls were just completely gone. And they're like, Ellen starts crying because this is their, their prize winning. And so they go and they look around and Tom finds them in a basically trailer, five bulls in this trailer. And it's, it's crazy. He doesn't know how they got in there. But they're alive still. Right? They're alive. They're they're mooing. They're they're. Ba- I don't know if they're mooing, but they're <laughs> so they're because they're not cows. They're but probably I'm, wondering why they're in there too. They're no, like, seriously. And they were they were freaked out. And like he gets them out, and the trailer is completely torn up. But he doesn't. And I say trailer, and it's not like an RV trailer, but it's like a, a, a cow trailer. Right? No, no, it's like a. I believe how they describe it. Let me see if I. If they have a description, but I believe it's like a, if you ever went to school and you had to like learn in one of the little trailers, you go up the little ramp, like those type of trailers. Like when you go to the construction site and it's like a little trailer office, Mm. I believe it's a trailer like that from how it's described. That's crazy. That's crazy. And he doesn't know how they got in there and there was no footprints around. Like there's no footprints saying like they got, they went in there. 
And this would happen all the time. They would have one animal. It, the neighbors would report their animals looked like they were missing and it'd be on the other side of the fence. And it'd be like, there's no way those cows could get all the way around like random trailer in the middle of nowhere well the neighbors would report their cows missing and it would be on the ranch and they don't know how they got on the ranch because there's no fence i mean there's fences but there's no cuts in the fences yeah and it it's just one of these things where it's so strange so the whole experience that they had it's just all bad. It, it really, and it's even happened after the fact. Like, they've already sold the house. He just goes there, or the ranch. He just goes there to help keep an eye on the place while the scientists aren't there. And, yeah, he kept some of this livestock there because... And then he started... I think that's when they started saying, we're not going <clears> to <throat> keep our, our livestock there. And But they'll keep... Like, that's when the NIDS scientists started bringing their own, like, animals, like their dogs. Um, let me just make sure. Yeah, so, so quote... Okay, it was in a trailer. So, quote, his search, blah, blah, blah. Okay. In an old, small, white trailer located at the west end of the corral, there was no entrance to the trailer from the corral except a door that was tightly locked and hadn't been opened in years. As he passed the trailer, he glanced in. Tom froze. All four animals were standing silently crammed into the tiny space. They seemed frozen. Say the word for me. Hypnotically. Thank you and appeared to be barely conscious. Tom, with relief flooding through his veins, yelled loudly for Ellen. At the same time, he banged forcefully on the side of the metal trailer. The noise seemed to break the silent spell. Instantly, all four animals appeared to wake up. They began kicking and bellowing to get out of the narrow, confined space. Within seconds, the four huge animals went berserk and, and tore the interior of the trailer. Finally, a metal door was kicked out and instantly all four animals tumbled blindly out into the broken door and began stampeding in a panic. So, yeah. So they were they were hypnotized, but they remembered what did it to them. Oh, man, that was so scary. But, yeah, so these, these experiences, like, so the book, Hunt for the Skinwalker, talked about their experience. So that's, like, one-third of the book, and then, or about half, it's about their experience. And the second half is more about what the NIDS team experienced in their blue spheres, which I think I'm going to, I know we're kind of running along now. I think we're going to save for when we talk about the movie. That's what they were experiencing. And now I know you haven't, I, you heard about the, the ranch. Yeah. But you've never really dove into what it was all about. What are you, what are you thinking right now? It had a lot of stuff going on. Like oh, yeah. More than I thought. I, I, I had heard things, you know, about, like, skidwalkers and aliens. But, like, wormholes and, like, light doors that open out of nowhere and cattle mutilations and stuff like that. I would have left a long... I wouldn't have even made it 20 months. Or I'd be like, first night, I'd be like, well, time to pack up and go. I don't care how much money I've sunk into this place. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, I mean, we're, we're about an hour or so in. This is before I edit. But the book, the book, I couldn't put it down. Like, I would be at work, and I would be reading it, and I would have to, at lunch, and I would have to get back to work, and I would be just waiting to read it on my break. And I also read it at home, but at home, I kind of didn't... Every time I read something with... And she was by herself, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm just going to have to Here wait. Here we go. This yeah. is the part of the movie where somebody dies. Right? I'll be right back. 
It's like I leave you in this room, like I'll be right back. Just going to like, make a cup of tea. Like I'll be, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave, and I'm gonna shut and lock the door behind me. If if you hear anything, don't open this door. Click. Click, and then something kills them from the inside. I know. It's like oh. uh, I've seen this movie before. I know I've seen this movie a couple times, but mostly in the '90s. Yeah, <laughs> which was when this happened. So the the. Nid's team, the scientific team, got on there in 96, and he sold the ranch in 2006. I'm sorry, in 2016. So he stayed there. This, the Bigelow owned this ranch for 20 years. So it, it it was the last 20 years, and I guess a lot of stuff was recorded mm-hmm. during that time. And they made the documentary Hunt for the Skinwalker, and then they released the book. And that's what we'll talk. So we talked about the book. And now next time, we'll talk about the movie. And we're going to talk more. The next time is not going to be so much about, I think, a little bit about experiences that they had, the, the, the scientists had. But I think it's going to be more of our impressions and maybe theories. But that was the experiences that the family had. Mm-hmm. And I really highly recommend this book. This book, I, I really enjoyed it. I know there's a lot of other Skinwalker books out there. I enjoyed this one because I feel like it kind of had that first-hand experience. Yeah. I mean, just from what little you you gave out, it's like really... Like how they had some intense moments. Oh, so intense. That's, you, you took the word out of my mouth because when you when I was reading it, I'm sitting there just like breathing hard because I'm like, what's going to happen now? Like the whole like, the part where they're sitting there watching the door thing open and the, the random whatever it was just get out and just runs away. I'd oh. be like... I know I wrote that. I don't know if I wrote that down anywhere. If I kept that because I. I mean I'm serious. There's there was so much like so many stories. Got, like after I got done soiling myself. Oh my gosh! I would totally. I'd be like, well, I think we should probably not be standing in this spot anymore because it may know we over here. Well, that was what's weird too. Is so the experiences. I mean, a lot of it sounds like UFOs. Like you'll hear a lot about a lot of UFOs, but they've had also. These weird creatures that they couldn't see. They this weird outlines. The wolf. The science team, it feels like they got more what they even kind of describe it as almost like Bigfoot-ish experiences. And what I mean by that is they would see a weird figure that they couldn't really see. Or it would be really clear to one person like wearing the night vision goggles. Or they would see it walk. And they would kind of do that. Wait, is that? What is this going on? Is this Bigfoot? And then it would just run off like it would be running so fast. Like I, I again, I didn't write this down, but because I knew we were going to watch the movie, and the movie's more kind of science, the scientist space. Mm-hmm. And they do talk about in the book where I think one time the scientists were in, they were doing shifts, and it would be like four hour shifts in like the trailer. And I think they were talking about one time they saw this figure just kind of walking across. I can't remember if it was a scientist or Tom walking across the. Fit, uh, field and this figure was like hairy and it's just walking and all of a sudden like it no or no I'm sorry it wasn't walking it was running and it was running kind of like but kind of jogging thing and it was looking over the shoulder that's opposite of them like something was chasing it and all of a sudden it looked the other way towards them the scientists and once it noticed the scientists it took off even faster so it had like they saw these weird creatures being like like they were being chased by something that they couldn't see 
And it's really interesting to note that in the book, it wasn't one of these things where they had people who were like, oh, I totally believe in this, and I'm going to go and prove this. They were going. These scientists weren't going to... Because, you know, you watch these paranormal hunter shows, and you're like, okay, we want to capture something. They were going to just record it. Mm. It wasn't like they were going to, like, yeah, we're going to... They were coming up with a scientific method to capture something. And there was one more thing I wanted to mention about the scientists. (laughs) Something was playing with them. So while the family was terrified, and they would get all these experiences, the scientists were having a few experiences, but it was going... Like months at a time, like it would be like two months and nothing would happen, and then something would like there would be have a whole week of two weeks, just everything happened at once, and then it would have like a dry spell. And one of the things they talked about, one of the final chapters, is they talk about vandals, and this is to me the creepiest story. So what they were talking about is the scientists come one day, and they had a camera set up, and these cameras aren't on the perimeter; they're like around the field in the pastures and they come one day and all the wiring so they notice that these three these two cameras went out and they go and look at them and they notice that they had them taped up they had them they had them attached to these poles electrical tape around them hard to get to these these cords and they notice that all the cords and the wires are ripped out mm. and the wires on the side are ripped so they're trying to figure out, and they even talk about, I mean, there was wiring anchored uh, to the pole, and the wiring went through the PCV tube. And so if you ever set anything up and you're running wires through a tube and you're running wires through a house, or you know how, how you protect it. Yeah. Well, it was now you know bent and twisted. It says the wiring was dragged forcefully out of all three cameras. And then they should be mentioned that they these cameras were 15 feet off the ground. They're looking at these cameras and they're like, what are we going to do? And they notice another camera set up across from them is still running. And that camera is pointed straight at these cameras. And they're like, oh my gosh, we got to go review this. So they review the cameras that had the wires ripped out. They notice that they go dark at 8.30 p.m. Or I don't know if it says p.m. It just says 8.30. They go dark at 8.30. They fast forward. They, they, they hurry on the other camera watching them. Nothing comes up to them. It goes to 8.30. Nothing happens. goes past 8.30. Nothing happens. They rewind it. They watch it again. They watched it in real speed. They watched it in normal speed. They slowed it down. They could not figure out nothing goes to the cameras. Nothing climbs on the poles. Nothing happens to the wires. And so they take the footage back to with them to the headquarters and they enhance it. And they look and look and they can't see anything that's pulling the wires. The only thing that they can see is at 8.30, the red dot on all the cameras that shows that it's recording goes off. And that's it. Mm. So something is destroying these cameras. Something doesn't want to be seen. Something that is able not to be seen. Because it's not like, oh, it's hiding behind a pole and it's pulling it. It's not one of these, like, oh, look at this, you know, 
ring doorbell footage of something one come and sneak in on. It's literally I'm watching it. There's nothing there. There's the red light. It goes off. That means that that camera's wires are just yanked. I'm not seeing anything that's yanking those wires. What is yanking those wires? Yeah. And that to me freaks me out so much. So that's pretty freaky. Yeah, seriously. So like it was a really good book. I really enjoyed it. But we're going to wrap this up now. We'll come back in two weeks with part two of Skinwalker, The Hunt for the Skinwalker. Part two. Part two, where we talk about more about maybe the book, how it relates to the movie, and our own thoughts. A little bit about life and a little bit about love. So, okay, take us home. Oh, let's do legendary shout out. To Elmira, New York. Thank you, Elmira, New York. We got some new downloads from the last episode. So thank you so much for listening. Welcome. Thank you so much for listening. And hopefully you're enjoying the podcast. Take us home. This has been another successful episode of Legends in the Dark. My name is Jay. And I'm Leslie. <laughs> Good night. Good night.